And so today we're going to be talking about um, just the topic of wonder. And I, I think that Christmas is the best time to explore this idea of wonder. I don't know that it's um, a topic that we always think about. I don't know. I think sometimes when we're younger, we think about wonder more. Uh, I, I've been thinking about just kind of the concept of wonder. Um, you know, our family is a, a Disney family. Like, you know, anybody else who would admit to that? Some of you judging me right now. You're like, I can't believe you would support uh, that mouse. <laughs> Others of you are like, hey, man, I love it. And, and I'll tell you the day I became a Disney family. Because, see, I... I grew up, I went to Disney as a kid. I, I had fun, right? Uh, my wife and I, when we were young marrieds, we went to Disney. And then one time we went to Disney when my daughters were like six and like four. And they're there, they're dressed up in the, the princess outfits, and, uh, and they, they meet Ariel, right? So they go in, and I'm having to stand there as a dad, waiting in line way too long to talk to a princess, you know, and... Um, so they meet Ariel, they have that moment, and about 40 minutes go by, and we're walking down Main Street, and they have one of those Disney parades going by, and there's the same Ariel my daughter's just met on the parade, and the Ariel recognizes my daughter Naya in the crowd, and looks at my daughter from the float and says, happy birthday, princess. And I watch my daughter's face just melt just melts, right? And that's when I realized what the magic of Disney was. I got a picture of my daughters at that age right there. Can you see the magic? Can you see it? And, and it's like, when you have that happen, then what happened? I think I just gave Disney all my money after that. I don't, I don't know where it went. And I just sometimes wonder if we can walk through Christmas and do all of the hustle, do all of the bustle, give all of the presents, and miss the wonder of Christmas. And my hope is that as we come and we gather um, over the next few weeks, that God would just prepare our hearts for wonder. I think wonder is something that when you're young, it's, it's easy to have. Like, I mean, as a kid, I remember wondering what my wife would be like, right? Anybody else you remember as a kid? I, want, I know now. I know now, 27 years, amazing, right? Just checking. Um, I, I wondered what my kids would be like. I, I wondered what job I would have. I remember when I wondered what it would be like to be a pastor. I don't wonder that anymore. You set up a lot of chairs. That's what it is. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, you grow up wondering. Somewhere along the way, it feels like you don't wonder as much. Have you noticed that? And I've been wondering, what does it look like to get our wonder back? When God saw the pain of this world, he came up with a strategy to change the world. And his strategy was maybe the one that I don't know if I would think to pick, but he picked it. He said, you know what I'm going to do to clean up this mess? I'm going to give the world a baby. I'm going to give the world a baby named Jesus. In Isaiah 7, 14, it was prophesied. It says, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's plan for this world to change it was to give the world a sign that he was with us. 
If you ever wonder, is God with me? Is God in this? The sign is literally Jesus at Christmas. That's how we know God is with us. And today I want us to talk a little bit about wonder. And I believe this, that wonder is the beginning of belief. And I want to talk about the power of belief. Sometimes we wonder, like, what do we believe as followers of Jesus? And, and one of the places to start in belief, I think, is the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed, it was, it was um, created in 381 A.D., and it's basically what most Orthodox Christians have believed throughout the history of the world. And so I want us to read it, and I want us to think about it for a second. And the creed is broken up into three kind of sections. And it says this, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, of all that is, and seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten from the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. She said, what was all that? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, one God. We believe in that. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and he was made a man. That's the story of Jesus. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to glory to judge the living and the dead, and his, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son. With the Father and His Son, He worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which means the universal church, not just Catholicism, and, apostol and um, apost the apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This is the creed. When we talk about what do we believe, as a follower of Jesus, my journey has been to learn what this means and to learn what I believe. When you look at it, you, I, you use the creed, and one theologian said the creed is a little bit like your luggage that you take on vacation, right? You don't bring your entire coat closet and everything in the closet with you on vacation, right? You don't, it, you don't bring every, some of you think your spouse does, right? You're like, my, you should see my spouse. They, they don't realize we have to pay for those, those bags on the airplane. No, it, the creed is the luggage. It's the core. And if, if you were to boil it down even deeper, if you go, Brandon, I, I don't even get everything you just said. You would go, literally, we are the people of Christmas and the people of Easter. Like, if you were to just go, like, let's, like, just whittle it down to, like, where, where would I even begin with my belief. The very beginning of belief is literally the story that God sent his son into the world, which is the story of Christmas. Christmas is where wonder starts. It's the beginning of belief. Now, I looked up, like, what, what does wonder mean? It's interesting. In, in Google, they actually call it a spiritual emotion, which I'm like, I don't, I don't know. 
I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, there are probably some feelings that you can only have when you connect your soul to God. It says, wonder invites us to be surprised by God's mystery, to let God be big, to half understand him. Isn't that interesting? Like, I I wonder this Christmas if you said, my goal would be to half understand God. Like, that would be a beginning feeling. Uh, God is so big, I can't define him. And to enjoy for a moment how God fills us and this world with beauty. You find wonder when you see beauty. Even when the world around us looks anything but beautiful, wonder leaves us feeling more connected rather than alone in this world. When I read that, I I was shocked. Just the idea that wonder could help you feel more connected. It starts because you begin to wonder about God. I remember in my journey as as a, a young boy going to church and being a part of worship services that lasted way too long. Wait, did anybody go to those churches? Three-hour church services. That won't be today. You don't have to worry, right? Partly because I experienced and endured that. But it was during that time, I remember just years of going to the Christmas Eve gathering. And there was something about that candlelight gathering where there was wonder in a little boy's heart about could God send his son to this world and could God's son not just change the world but change this boy. And I wonder if this Christmas it would be a season for you to go, how could God change me? How could God change my family? I wonder if he could. I think that the birthplace of wonder is the nativity story. it's It's the story, right? And throughout history, the nativity scene has been recreated in different Um, places with different looks and images. I found some art kind of of some of the, just have you kind of scroll through some of this art of of depictions of the nativity scene in different cultures and different places. I don't even know what that one was. Um, (laughs) I promise that's the nativity. And then then one more, this a new life uh, version from years ago. We did a series called Peace on Earth. And then there's the, there, there, there. That's the new life version of it. And then there um, is the classic and my wife, I don't know if you guys do this, but my wife and I, we had in our second year of marriage, we got our nativity scene. It's not a traditional one. It's this heavenly angels, Kurt Adler thing, and my wife and I just love it. We set it up every year, and it's just part of our tradition. And it's the nativity story that I want us to take the next three weeks and just look at the wonder that exists in this story at the nativity. And so each week we're going to look at kind of different characters of the nativity and see how they experience the wonder of Christmas for the very first time in this story. And this week I want us to look at the shepherds. The shepherds are the first one that heard the news of the sign. And so I thought we would start with these shepherds. Uh, In Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says this. It says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, I wrote down five things we need to know about shepherds. Shepherds are kind of interesting. Um, first, shepherds, they serve the bottom rung of Palestine. So, like, on the social ladder, they were the bottom 
They were compared socially to tax collectors, which nobody liked, and dung sweepers, right? That's, that's like what they were compared to. And so shepherds were humble. Uh, they, they were protectors. Their job was to care for the sheep. And so they, they were humble, they were caring, and then they faced harsh weather because their job was outdoors. And so I think shepherds were tough. They were tough. Um, they provided valuable resources for their society. They provided meat and wool. Shepherds were providers. And the last thing to think about shepherds is when Jesus went to describe his leadership style for the world, he chose the idea of the great shepherd. So you take a group of people that were humble. You take a group of people that were caring, that were tough, that were providers, and Jesus says, this is the metaphor for how I'll lead you. I will be the great shepherd and you will be my sheep. In Luke 2, verse 8, it says, there's this moment where the shepherds see angels in the sky. I don't know how many of you have seen angels in the sky. I never have. I never have. They had this moment where it felt like heaven was pulled back and they could see a choir of angels celebrating that God has sent his son to this world. And it says in Luke 2, verse 18, it says, all who heard the shepherds were astonished by their story. Some translations will translate this as they all wondered. They all wondered. And it's from this Greek word, thamo, which means wonder, marvel, amazement, astonishment, miracle. It's this picture of gaping. Like, did I just see that? And I just wonder, are there moments in your life where you feel like heaven was pulled back and you got a picture of what God was doing in your life and realized he was with you and you begin to wonder or gape or were amazed that God has been so good in your journey. If you've lived life for any length of time, you'll know there are moments where you feel that gaping glory from God, and then there are moments where you're like, God, where are you? I, I thought you would be here on this day in this moment. Wonder. What does wonder do and how do we get it back? What's interesting is that word wonder, the way it's used there in astonishment, is it's used not as a noun, it's used as a verb. Because I think wonder moves us to action. And what it did is it led the shepherds to go on a journey. And I, I wrote down as my first point that how we get wonder back, or what does wonder do, I wrote this down, is wonder leads us to belief. Wonder leads us to belief. And that's what it did for the, the shepherds. They see this incredible miracle in the sky, and then they respond to what God's doing. In verse 12 through 15, this is what they did. It says, when you will recognize him by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in the manger. Suddenly, the, angel, angels, uh, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God on the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to Bethlehem, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So the shepherds, they see this announcement, they see this choir, and they say, let's go see for ourselves what God is doing in this world. They go on this journey. I think all of us go on a journey that begins with wonder. God, are you there in my life? And my prayer for you this season is that if you've never gone on this journey of wonder, that this would be the beginning point for you on this journey. And for some of us that have gone on it and maybe taken a pause, that it would be a moment for us to come back to wonder. In 2010, I had a chance to uh, meet a friend of mine who became a friend. His, his name's Alan. And when I met Alan, Alan was probably about 45. And um, he... Um, showed up to church at one Sunday, and he showed up because his wife said, we're going to church. And he really wasn't too excited to be there. And when I met him, he was just honest enough to say, I'm, I said, oh, how'd you find us? I go, he said, my wife. Oh, why are you here? My wife. And that's pretty normal, it's, it's life. And I said, well, let's go to coffee. And so he and I go out to coffee, and it started a year journey. We found out we had tennis in common. Our kids were the same ages. And um, he said, well, um, I grew up in a home where my mom was Mormon and my dad was Jewish. And when I was about 12, they said, we can't figure out God. Good luck. And he said, so I, I took a 40-year break. He said, I, I just really haven't thought much about it. And so he and I had coffee. Uh, we read a gospel together. He began starting reading the entire New Testament on his own. And he was on a journey of wonder. And at the end of about a year, he said, hey, I want to go to coffee with you. And so we went out to uh, the tree house in Bainbridge Island, and I still remember the table we were sitting at. And he said, I found a verse that makes it make sense for me. I said, what, what verse did you find? And he found a verse that I'd read a hundred times or a thousand times, but it was brand new and living that day as we sat at a coffee shop. He said, I found this verse. I'd never read it before. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He goes, Brandon, I, I hope for this. I said, what do, you, what do you hope for? He goes, I hope Christmas and Easter is true. I hope for the resurrection. He goes, I don't know. He goes, I've never died. I don't know what's after this planet. But if what faith is, is hope, he goes, I have it. He goes, I have hope. I have hope for the Jesus story. I have hope for the life. And, and I go, you are responding to God right now. He goes, I think I am. And honestly, it was just one of those miracle moments where I felt like God's wonder descended in this treehouse moment. And I looked at him, I said, can you feel that? He goes, I can. I go, I think that's God right here with us in this moment. A few months later, I had an opportunity to baptize him. It's just this incredible moment. The second thing I wrote down is this, is wonder deepens faith. Wonder deepens faith. Shortly after Alan said yes to Jesus, um, his, his marriage began to fall apart. And then he got lymphoma. And it was like kind of one of those moments where you're like going, hey, I said yes to Jesus. Isn't everything supposed to get better? Isn't that how it works, you guys? 
And I began to worry about him. And I began to worry about his faith because he was going through a very, very difficult route. And I remember going out to coffee with him. He had had lymphoma, I think, at this point for almost three months. And he was this athletic triathlete who had done that, and his body was just wasting away. And I go to coffee with him, and I said, um, how's your faith? And he shocked me with what he said. He said, Brandon, my faith is the only thing getting me through this moment. My faith is the only thing that's making me make it through this moment. Faith has this way, or wonder has this way of deepening our faith in the difficult times. He goes, I feel Jesus with me, clinging to me through this moment. He recovered from lymphoma. He now lives in Chelan with his family. And it's incredible to see what God's doing in his life. It's a powerful thing. But I remember this journey for this man as, as an adult man in his 40s. He goes, Brandon, it would have been so much easier for me to find Jesus as a kid. But to learn how to wonder again in our 40s and 50s and 60s takes a little more stretching. In Luke 2, 20, uh, 2 verse 20, it says this, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Like literally, the response they have is that wonder led them to worship, and wonder and, and worship leads them to wonder. Like the process happens so fast. So they experience this thing, they experience worship, and then they just can't help but talk about it. There are moments in our life where when we experience wonder, we don't have to like be told to tell people. It's just natural. You just begin to talk about, this is what God's doing. This is what he's saying. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm reading. This is how I'm responding. Worship feels natural. It's like, of course I want to sing because I want wonder back in my life. And I wrote two things as I close here. I'll invite the band to come back up. As I wrote this, is, is how do we get wonder back? Is the first thing we do is, one, is we say this, God, I'm going to open myself to wonder this Christmas season to wonder. And second, show up. Show up. God, show up. You are invited to show up in my life. I have found that whenever I pray the prayer, God, show up, he shows up. <coughs> show up. God, I need you to show up in my home. I need you to show up in my marriage. I need you to show up in my heart. I need you to show up with my kids. I need you to show up at my workplace. God, I need you to show up in my heart. The sign that Christ is with us is literally what Christmas is all about. God is with us because Jesus, and the sign is a baby. I've had three kids. And every time I've had kids, there's that moment where the birth happens, and literally there is wonder in the room when a baby is born. There is wonder. And if you've ever had a child, you'll know this. It changes everything. Good and bad at times, doesn't it, right? You're like, I don't sleep anymore. There's things to wipe. There's things to clean up. There's noises, right? It, it, it creates wonder and chaos all at once. And, and I used to think this, that wonder is this like magical moment where everything is 
perfect. And that's not where you'll find wonder. You find wonder in the everyday going on of the world, in the chaos of your home, in the busyness of life. It's God showing up like he did for the shepherds while they were just at work, doing their same old job at the bottom of the rung, and just suddenly there is God right before you. I read this article this morning, and um, this article is kind of this idea of sometimes we think, yeah, you know what? It would be so much easier to wonder and believe in God if I saw the angels just like those shepherds. Or if I was one of Jesus' disciples. Like, I, I, that would be so much. If I could actually have seen Jesus' face when he was on earth, it would be so much easier for me to wonder. I think sometimes we're guilty of thinking that. But I truly believe this, that it wouldn't have been. It would take the same faith, even after you've seen Jesus, that it takes having not seen him. Jesus even said to one of his disciples, he says, greater faith will be those that have actually not seen me and chose to have faith and wonder and hope. invite everybody to participate in communion. You can reach underneath your chairs. And if you would, just stand with me. You know, you think, um, maybe if I was a disciple and um, I was at the Lord's table and Jesus literally offered me his body his blood saying, I'm all in through this bread and this cup, it would be easier to believe. But what's amazing about that story is when Jesus was offering the bread and the cup, the disciples had no idea what he was doing. In fact, one of his disciples that I love is a guy named Philip, and Jesus literally explains everything that's about to happen and says, I'm going to go to be with the Father, and this is what's going to happen, and da 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 And he goes, and Jesus literally says to Philip and the disciples, he says, I'm so glad that it's clear for you to see now. And Philip's like, no, it's not. He literally says, he says, no, we don't understand these things that you're saying, Lord. All the disciples knew is they were going to follow Jesus wherever he went. That's all they knew. They were at the very beginning of belief. And sometimes I think that that's the best place to stay. This idea that maybe I could half understand who God is, is actually an incredible feat. And so today, I don't know what's happening in your world and what chaos exists and what challenges you're facing, but I know that today, when you begin to wonder, you begin to allow God to show up in your life.